there's lots of talk in the media out there right now about different receivers who could end up in Baltimore. I think that the route for the Ravens is probably to get somebody who gets released. It's the Steve Smith example. Yeah, I mean, I can see your logic there. And the Ravens are in a position where they can wait. Uh, they're already... It doesn't sound like you buy it, though. I, I, it's going to be interesting <laughs> because I just, I just feel Eric is aggressive. Everyone knew when that 2018 draft class became so impactful that it was going to be a challenge to keep all of them long term. I think Lamar is a question of when, not if, he'll get his deal. To me, it's like, can you keep, you know, both Orlando and Mark after you sign Lamar? I could see the Chiefs being the Bulls of the 90s, and that's what scares me. I mean, there was no talk this year in a pandemic about a Super Bowl hangover. They just roll. But in a one-game scenario, if you're there, then who knows? All you can really do is make sure that you're knocking on the door along with them. Welcome into the lounge. There's lots to discuss as the offseason rolls on here. Super Bowl weekend is coming up, and we have Clifton Brown here uh, to break down where things stand. Cliff is stepping in for Ryan this week. It's vacation season for Ryan. So for listeners who have been longtime listeners of the lounge, you know that once the calendar turns to February, uh, we don't see Ryan until it's around August. You know, basically he's out of the mix for the next six months. And then once August hits, he returns for three days a week. And that's the extent that Ryan works the entire year. So, Cliff, you're stepping in for Ryan today. <laughs> well, glad to see you're not taking it easy on your guy, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Uh, we miss Ryan, but glad to step in for him. Glad I'm still the number one call out of the bullpen. I will gladly accept that role. Yeah, you're the number one call out of the bullpen. You're the closer. You wear a lot of different hats. So, six-man Cliff, you you do it all. So there's a number of things that we want to talk about right now. It's the offseason, like I said, so there's things that are changing rapidly. And even since the podcast last week, there's been a number of changes. Uh, Ravens signed Nick Boyle to a contract extension. The Ravens have also lost uh, a number of assistant coaches. I mean, this has been unlike any year that I can remember in terms of an exodus of assistant coaches and, and other teams around the league. And colleges are plucking assistants off of John Harbaugh's staff uh, to fill out their staffs. Um, really a testament to to what he's built. Um, so, and then there's also the the standard off season talk. What kind of wide receiver is going to fit? Everyone's looking ahead to the draft already. We're not going to take a deep dive into the draft or anything like that. But um, Cliff, I just want to start the conversation here uh, around the the coaches because, uh, like I said, this is this is new. Um, every year, there's I feel like a coach or two, but to see the number of coaches who have left, um, you know, a number on the defensive side. Uh, Joe Collins, Sterling Lucas, Mike McDonald, Jesse Minter, Zachary Orr uh, this week. And then on the offensive side, David Coley, head coach of Houston. Congratulations to him. Um, and then and then after that, um, uh, you know, then it's uh, Andy Bischoff, tight end coach. Um, so a, a lot has changed in the past week. Uh, what is your take on all of that right now? Well, yeah, as you mentioned, congratulations to all those guys, number one. All excellent coaches. They will be missed. Uh, the Ravens have already addressed uh, filling some of those spots. I think Rob Ryan, you know, great addition. Linebackers coach will bring a lot of enthusiasm to the typical Ryan personality. There are no Ryans who are introverted. So 
I think he'll add a lot of life to practices and to that side of the ball. And then obviously, uh, Anthony Weaver has a really good reputation too, coming from Houston. So I think that it's something that when you are successful, it happens. I still think it's huge that both Wink Martindale and Greg Roman have returned in their roles as coordinators. I think that yeah, that's the craziest thing, Cliff. It's like I know you don't often see a, an assistant coaching staff lose so many guys. Yet the coordinators, all three of them, uh, Wink, Roman, and Chris Horton, have all remained in place. That's the crazy thing about all this. It is. And I'm, you know, I'm really shocked that uh, Wink didn't get way more interest as a head coach than he did. I mean, considering the job that he's done here, and Greg Roman as well, since they've been here, you would think that there would be more interest. Um, I think their day is going to come, but certainly – in a year we've lost so many other coaches, I do believe that it, it still is very key that those guys will be back. And, of course, with John's experience putting his staff together, I think the Ravens will be fine. But it will be a different vibe to practice. Um, you know, Cully was a guy who very enthusiastic at practice. People love working with him. I think Rob Ryan will bring some of that type of energy to the practice field. But, yeah, it will be an adjustment for the players working with some new guys. But I think all in all, it's going to be just fine. Mm -hmm. The Coley move, I think, probably gives, I don't know what the word is, confidence or or optimism uh, for a guy like Wink, who didn't get any calls to be head coach this offseason, which shocked me. Um, And when a guy, the league is moving younger in terms of these coaches, everyone, I feel like, you know, the Sean McVay thing uh, has, I think, inspired some of these teams to go younger. Uh, Matt LaFleur has had success, obviously, in Green Bay. And so teams look for younger head coaches, uh, certainly on the offensive side of the ball. But we've seen that on, on the other side, too. And I think that for a guy like Wink, uh, you know, who's been in the league a long time, to not get any calls, you know, there's a feeling of, well, is it going to happen? Maybe not. Maybe he's just going to be a career assistant coordinator. But then you see David Coley, who I think is 65. Is that the right age? That is 65, correct, yes. And has been in the league. he's been in the league for, for all these years. And then he finally gets his shot at, at this time when I'm sure he had felt like, you know, it may never happen. It, it might not happen for me. Um, just be a, a career assistant, which can, can, can be great, but it just felt like it may not happen. And then he gets the opportunity in Houston, which is a credit to him and how he handled that interview, obviously. Uh, but – you know, it's, I just feel like, you know, someone like John Harbaugh has said over time it, that he tells his assistant coaches, like, it'll happen when it's meant to happen. Um, and I feel like Coley's an example of that. And I wonder if that, you know, makes you think that next year or a year after or whenever, uh, Wink or maybe Roman uh, will get that opportunity too. Yeah, well, the, the door has not closed for sure for either one of them. I mean, I, I think it could very well happen for both. I'm also not trying to push them out of town. I do want to say that. Actually, I'm, not to, I'm not trying to rush either of them out. I like both of them being here in Baltimore. I think that's important to say. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, what's wrong with the experience? Um, it's, it's fine to be young and, you know, to be a guy who can bring energy and maybe stay as your head coach for a number of years. Everyone is looking for the type of coach that John Harbaugh was when he came to the Ravens, uh, Mike Tomlin, when he came to the Steelers, a young coach that who could set the tone for your organization and hopefully stay for a long time. But experience is very key, in my opinion, particularly experience at the NFL level. And Wink Martindale 
and Greg Roman have that. And they also uh, really have strong relationship with players. I mean, you hear all the time players talking about how they relate to Wink. I think that's true with Cully, too, that regardless of how old you are, some people have an ability to relate with players better than others. And so, you know, Wink is a guy, along with Greg, too, I think if you get them in a room and talk to them, you can't come help but come away and be impressed. And, yes, uh, maybe Cully getting his first opportunity, being an older coach, and both of those guys will help them, you know, open open some doors for them and maybe help some of these general managers and owners looking at some of the more experienced candidates a little bit differently. So something that, you know, whenever you lose coaches and you got to replace them, and you talked about some of the guys that are coming in, Anthony Weaver, Rob Ryan, I did a final drive on this this week where I talked about how I really think that replacing Coley is one of the bigger moves for the offseason for the Ravens. I don't know if you agree with me on that, but it's not a coordinator role. However, the receiver receiver coach position is so critical when you look at the Ravens have a bunch of young guys there, and I'm going to guess they're going to probably draft at least one, maybe early. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they used a first round or a second round pick on a receiver. I would not rule that out. Um and so you're going to have a, a young receiving core. Coley also is the passing game coordinator. Now, I don't know if they're going to hire somebody to be a passing game coordinator. That's not a guarantee that I think that they do that. But they certainly could. I, also, I'll be curious to see whether they replace Coley with, with one person or they could do someone who's a passing game coordinator, someone who's a receivers coach, how they split up that role if they do it at all. But both of those things are really important. The passing game as a whole – Players, coaches, Eric DaCosta, they've all talked about trying to improve that this offseason. Then you look at uh, the development of the receiving core, which is so critical, as I, as I just mentioned, young receiving group. So I don't know who that's going to be. I don't even want to throw out names and speculate who that's going to be because, because that's all it would be. It's just, it's just throwing darts at a dartboard and trying to figure out who could fill, into that, fill that role. But I think that is a critical move uh, for the Ravens this offseason. Like, do you agree with that? Am I putting too much stock into that into that move into that decision well i would just phrase it like this um it's really key that the ravens young receivers continue to develop i mean obviously you've got hollywood but you've also got miles boykin devin duvernay james Prochet. the ravens have obviously invested a lot of draft capital in wide receivers the past couple of years and you want these young players to grow now, you know, how they go about doing it as far as the coaching side and the passing game, they could go a number of ways. Um, they could bring in somebody, a, a guru, an offensive guru, who they feel could scheme up, you know, their wide receiving uh, and their passing game a little differently. But, you know, John Harbaugh made it very clear, you know, that he feels that they already run all the routes that NFL teams need to run, that some of the – passing statistics for the Ravens are kind of skewed to, towards a negative because they don't throw the, they throw the ball, you know, fewer times than any team in the mm-hmm. league, but certainly it will be interesting. I will say that to see who they bring in uh, in that role and then how that translates to their wide receiver group. I mean, if you can get, you know, Prochet, Duvernay, Boykin, to grow as receivers along with what Hollywood's already shown you, then that would take the Ravens passing game to another level regardless of what they do on the coaching side. 
And if at that if that doesn't happen, then it'll be harder for them to be the passing team that they want to be. Yeah, and I just think the passing game overall is such a big talking point, such a big discussion uh, this offseason. Now, I'm with you. I think some of that is a little bit too, I don't know, too much is made of it because that was what we've talked about on previous podcasts and you just said. Some of those numbers, if you just look at the numbers and you say worst passing offense in the league, you're, you're taking too simplistic of a view of the entire operation. Right. Um, but I, I just think that like the Ravens have have done this during the off seasons. They, they look at everything. They've redesigned their defense. They've redesigned their offense. And I think that they find innovative ways to try to implement new scheme, change the type of players they bring in. They look at all of that. And so that's why I just think it's such an important uh, a decision because – that group is so critical for this offense and in finding ways to improve this passing game, improve this offense. And uh, I'll be really curious to see how the Ravens handle that, who they hire, uh, whether it's somebody at the pro level, somebody at the college level, someone internally, someone externally. I, I don't know which direction they're going to go, but I just think that that's going to be a big move for this offense. So um, the other possibility is, you know, the Ravens bring in a, a receiver, not necessarily a young one, but a veteran player. And um, if you relate for work, which everyone should, it gets posted around <laughs> You know, 9.30 in the morning, uh, every day on the Ravens website and app. Uh, there's lots of talk in the media out there right now about different receivers who could end up in Baltimore. Today it was Kenny Galladay. You know, he's the new name. We've heard Allen Robinson. Um, what do you make of all the receiver talk out there? And, and, and is one of these guys a really good fit in your mind? Well, both of those guys – can play i mean uh, sure sure i take him (laughs) right uh along with some other guys and i do believe (laughs) this this is going to be a season where you know there may be a veteran who we're not talking about right now that another team can't keep or feels they can't keep due to salary cap reasons who become the trade possibility so you know we saw calais campbell you know come to the ravens last year different position but a veteran guy who everyone knew he was a top player, but Jacksonville was headed in another direction and he became available. Uh, So I think that there's definitely a possibility that the Ravens could add a veteran receiver this year. They've done it so many times in the past. Um, I do think it's something they need to look hard at, but you know, it's not a guarantee. Um, I, I, my gut feeling is even though I heard Eric DeCosta say that, you know, it's not all about the number one receiver. He's also aggressive, so it's going to be interesting. I think that, you know, if it's not all about a number one receiver, I think that's true. But if one of those guys becomes available, I mean, he's never been shy about pulling the trigger. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I would love to see one of those guys come in, to be honest with you, um, because I just feel that regardless of what the numbers are, it would take some pressure off of Lamar and I think it would help the other receivers. I mean, I think it would help Marquise for sure to have a veteran guy opposite him who was, you know, really productive. Um, you know, the tight end group the Ravens have is strong. I just think it would open up the offense a little bit more without having to scheme, you know, some more things up um, and make life a little mm-hmm. bit easier for Lamar. So we'll see. Um Ravens fans love love talking about it. Yep, yep. Yeah, number one receivers have the tendency to make life a little bit easier on a quarterback. Absolutely. Um, I mean that that's just that kind of goes without saying. 
the, the trick, and this is this is the challenge, and this is really kind of what we we spent some time talking about on the Blueprint podcast is the Ravens right now we're going to have around fifteen to twenty million in salary cap space, according to Spot Track. The prediction is that Kenny Galladay, using him as an example, is going to make around seventeen million annually. Mm-hmm. So where's that 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 takes it all up if that's the case um mm-hmm. in terms of the Ravens salary cap space i just think that there is i'm really curious in this year's free agency maybe more than any other year about how the market shifts because i think that it could be a little bit slow out of the gates for some guys uh we saw it happen with Clowney last year but i just wonder if there's going to be a number of players who hit the market thinking oh i'm a 15 18 20 million dollar a year player and they come to find out because the salary cap is shrunk by $40 million, $50 million, that instead of getting that huge contract, that they're more in the range of, uh, you know, we can do a two-year $20 million deal. I'm just throwing out numbers. Um, and I also think that – I think that the route for the Ravens, as I really look at it from a receiver standpoint, is probably to get somebody who gets released. Um, it's the Steve Smith example. Mm-hmm. Um now that would be great, you know. That would be great if you can get a Steve Smith caliber player. There's not a ton of those guys that are out there, but I, I think that that is probably the case. I mean, it worked out great with Steve. Michael Crabtree was another example with that, of that. Didn't work out so great with Crabtree. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, you can kind of th- th- that can go either way uh, when you're going that route. But I, I think that as I examine it, I just think there's going to be a lot of players that end up on the market, veteran players that are that are do big cap numbers. Um, as teams try to clear some space, get under the salary cap, um, and then the Ravens will try to get some of those guys out of value. I don't know who it is because I think it's some, sometimes you just don't know who's going to become available. And, and I think that that's DaCosta's point when he talks about being patient. Got to wait. Got to see who hits the market. Got to have the, the flexibility, uh, which they've shown. They've redone contracts and given themselves cap room and flexibility. I think that is the most likely scenario for this team. Yeah, I mean, I can see your logic there. And the Ravens are in a position where they can wait. Uh, they're already. It doesn't sound like you buy it, though. It sounds like you're thinking. Like I said, I, it's going to be interesting <laughs> because I just, I just feel Eric is aggressive, and you know, if he sees an opportunity, yeah. again, what you're saying about being fiscally responsible and having the cap space, you have to have it, sure. But I just think there's going to be opportunities this offseason because, like you said, I do believe some teams are going to be looking to clear up some cap space, and that's going to lead to some players being on the market who in a normal year when the salary cap wasn't going down might not be available. So I want to talk about something else uh, on the free agency front. But before we do that, I want to remind everybody to take your Crown Royal water break. Crown Royal wants to remind you to stay hydrated. Stay royal, Crown Royal Canadian whiskey. Cliff, make sure you take those water breaks. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back and dive into some more talk about the offseason. Passionate fans, winning traditions, and legendary toughness are why Ram Trucks and Ravens football go hand-in-hand. When it comes to power, luxury, and technology like an available 12-inch Uconnect touchscreen, you can't find a better light-duty or heavy-duty truck. Go to Ram.com to find your local Ram dealer, schedule a test drive, and experience everything that goes into making dependable Ram trucks. Great deals are going on right now. You can shop online at Ram.com, and you can get your new Ram truck delivered right to your door. All right, Cliff, so uh, another item that uh, certainly could happen over the course of uh, the offseason is is signing players to extensions. And uh, there's been talk of this. Um, Lamar Jackson's eligible for one. Mark Andrews is eligible for one. 
uh, Orlando Brown is eligible for one. This is the first time that those great pro bowlers from the 2018 draft class can sign a long-term deal. Um, and there's been lots of talk about Orlando Brown over the past uh, few days, given what he tweeted uh, late last week about how he is a left tackle. Uh, he obviously played left tackle for the second half of last year after Ronnie Stanley went down. Um, he was a right tackle leading up to that point. He showed, you know, Orlando has always said he views himself as a right tackle who's playing left tackle. He's been a left tackle his entire career. He never shied away from that. Um, and then he went and stepped into left tackle and played well over the course of last season. So what do you make of all this? It's led to all sorts of speculation, trade rumors, long-term contract rumors, pretty much every rumor in, in, that you could think of. <laughs> so what do you make of all this? Well, I mean, everyone knew when that 2018 draft class became so impactful that it was going to be a challenge to keep all of them long-term. And so now, you know, we're seeing the first talk now that they can actually renegotiate deals of whether they can, Ravens can pull this off. Obviously, Lamar is, you know, the number one priority. Um, There's so much talk about whether the Ravens should wait and not really do a deal with him until next offseason or not. That's that's going to be interesting to see if that happens. I my guess would be that it doesn't happen this year, but I wouldn't I wouldn't totally rule it out. Uh with Orlando, I mean, yeah, his situation has changed a little bit, a bit and that no one anticipated he would be playing left tackle at all this season. Uh especially, you know, after Ronnie got his new deal. And then of course he was injured right after that in Orlando as I would expect because he's so talented, played really well there. So, yeah, Mark, too. Uh, obviously, the Ravens want to keep Mark Andrews, but can they keep all three, assuming they do sign? I think Lamar is a question of when, not if, he'll get his deal. And so, right. to me, it's like, can you keep, you know, both Orlando and Mark after you sign Lamar? Um, yeah, it's – it's going to be tough. Um, it, yeah. It's going to be tough. I mean, and, I know. you know, we haven't even talked about the guys, you know, who are going to be free agents now, the pass rushers like Junon and Yannick Ngakwe, what's going to happen with them too. It's a, it's the challenge mm-hmm. all teams face when you have a deep roster that's young. Um, yeah, I'd only be guessing at this point what's going to happen, but I think Orlando really – he likes being a Baltimore Raven. Uh, obviously, his father played with the organization. I think it means something to him. I think he likes playing with L- Lamar Jackson. Uh, I think he likes playing for a contender. So until you hear from him, I'm cur- I'd be curious to hear from Orlando, uh, now that all this, these rumors are speculating, to hear what he has to say. And until I hear it from him, other than, you know, a four a four word treat. Well, I'm a left tackle. That's four words, right? I'm still not sure. <laughs> I'm still not sure exactly what the you know bigger picture is of that. So I don't want to speculate on that. But it is going to be interesting to see, yeah, if they can keep all three of those guys. Well, this is Christopher Wells. Chris Wells sent us a question. Uh, he the subject line was big question. Even though Mig's not here to do the big, okay, I'll do my best impression. <laughs> Um, but his question was about Orlando um, and about the tweet. And uh, he said, I don't know that we could pay two left tackles considering the Ravens already paid Ronnie Stanley. Orlando definitely deserves to be paid. 
Um, however, I could see the Ravens using this to their advantage and trading him for a solid for solid draft stock, but not having a solid right tackle in house that makes me nervous. I just hate to let him walk after next season. Uh, what do you guys think? I mean, look, this is this is the scenario that teams and the Ravens find themselves in with a number of players uh, every year, and they don't really have a long history. I'm, I'm trying to think if this has ever happened. I don't think that it has of a quality player, a pro bowl player that they've traded in the final year of a contract for draft stock. I I'm trying to think back through the years and nobody is jumping out to me where that's happened. There have certainly been guys who have left via free agency, CJ Mosley, Zadarius Smith, Pernell McPhee, um, and gone elsewhere. That happens all the time. But in terms of trading a guy, I understand the logic. The logic is why you know risk losing him for nothing. I would say if you if if you were to lose someone like Orlando in free agency, you do to get a compensatory pick, so it's not like you're losing him truly for nothing. Uh, but maybe you could get more if you if you were to trade him. I, I I just as I look at this, like I just have a hard time seeing him not in Baltimore next year and maybe like long term. I I just. I know it's really hard. It's going to be really hard to keep both him and Ronnie. That's the challenge. Um, but I just, for all the reasons that you just talked about, uh, he's he seems to love playing for this organization. Felt like um, after everything that happened during the draft and the combine, this was the place that he ended up in the perfect place, ended up back at home. Uh, he is somebody who is really well-liked and respected uh, in the locker room, uh, amongst the media. Um, he just is such a such a likable person, hard worker who's played well. Um, everybody likes Orlando. And so it would be hard for me to see him playing anywhere else. Um, I just don't necessarily see this happening. Um, you know, I know the, the idea here from Chris, trade him, get draft picks. Okay. I don't know what you would get. I would think you would get a lot. Um, but I just don't see that happening. I just don't, I just personally don't see that happening. And I know that's always the game during the offseason. Yeah. I mean, again, I'd love to hear from him. And number two, I don't think the Ravens are in a rush to to get rid of Orlando Brown Jr. So um, I wouldn't rule out the possibility they could work something out down the road. But again, it's really, really tough when you have so many young players who you're trying to extend. The salary cap is, is a real deal. It's a real challenge. And it's, and it's going to continue to be a challenge for the Ravens over the next year or two to keep all the young players that they have drafted and who have done so well. Yeah. So thanks for the question. You guys can email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. We always love to hear from you. Send in your questions. Let us know uh, what you want to, you know, what you want to hear, what you want to talk about during the off season. Um, and uh, we'll get to those as, as many as we can. Uh, every single episode. We're going to take one more break, and then we're going to give you our thoughts on the Super Bowl. With every new season, there's new challenges to overcome, and Ram trucks are built to crush every single one of them. They're powerful, dependable. They're the back-to-back Motor Trend Truck of the Year. But beneath that hardened exterior, the Ram 1500 offers a standard of comfort with rear legroom designed for a comfortable lead. And the available rear auto-leveling air suspension found in the Ram 3500 is beyond smooth. So for big cash allowances and exceptional lease offers, go to Ram.com today. All right, so uh, the Super Bowl is on Sunday, Cliff. It's the Kansas City Chiefs against uh, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
It's Brady's 100th Super Bowl. It's crazy uh, what he's been able to do in, in, in terms of getting there in his first season with the Bucs. Um, but the Chiefs look every bit like the start of a dynasty. And that's scary for teams in the AFC, like the Ravens, who want to get to that point, and you got to get past the Chiefs. And unfortunately, they haven't had a chance to play them uh, in the playoffs the past two years. But the Chiefs look like uh, they look like the start of a dynasty. And that's scary to me. Is, it, is that how you see it too? Yeah, I think there's a chance. Uh, I think in football, it's a lot harder. Uh, I know we were talking before the podcast about, you know, other sports like the Bulls, uh, Tiger Woods and golf. I think in those sports, yeah. it's easier to have a dynasty. You know, we haven't seen a team repeat what I think the Patriots 2003-2004 last season went back-to-back with Brady. I think Seattle should have done it a few years ago. They won one and you know, we're on the verge of winning another one, but it's it's extremely hard to do. But when you look at the age of Patrick Mahomes and how good he is already, Andy Reid is a coach who doesn't seem like he's ready to go anywhere. I mean, there was no talk this year in a pandemic about a Super Bowl hangover. I mean, the Chiefs mm-hmm. acted like they didn't win the Super Bowl last year and there was no pandemic. They just, they just rolled. I mean... It's really impressive to me that's the season they put together, regardless of whether they win the game Sunday or not. And, yes, they could be the team to beat uh, for years to come in any season that Mahomes stays healthy. Uh, They have a great coach and a great quarterback. So you have to figure out how to get past that. I mean, if that's the case, then at least Lamar is young too. The Ravens are young. And if you keep if you keep putting yourself in position to get shots, you'll break through. Yep. All you can really do is make sure that you're knocking on the door along with them. I think the Ravens yep. are in position to do that. There's nothing they can do about the Chiefs. All they can do is keep putting themselves in position to be in position to knock them off. That that's really mm-hmm. all you can do. Yeah, I that's the way I look at it is I I could see the Chiefs being the Bulls of the '90s, and that's what scares me. I've used I've talked about that before. They could be they could be that team. Um, you know, there was when we did the podcast with Jim Gray uh, a month or so ago. He talked about how how VJ Singh was a great golfer, um, but he didn't win that much uh, because Tiger was winning everything at that time. And uh, there's other examples of of that. And so there that is a concern. That is a fear. However. The flip side of it, and I felt this way when I watched the Chiefs play the Browns in the playoffs this year. That game was really close. Mahomes gets a concussion, has to leave the game, and then the Chiefs pull off a ridiculous like third and 15 where they get down to fourth and one, then they go for it on fourth down, and they end the game with Chad Henney. Those two plays were ridiculous. Now, even if they don't, even if they punt the ball there and give the ball back to Cleveland, who knows uh, if that game ends up going in the Browns' favor. But my point is that that one came down to the wire, and it was a reminder that when you get into a one-game scenario, which is what the NFL is, anything can happen. I think that's that's not really the case in, in baseball or basketball where it's a seven-game series. But right. in a one-game scenario, if you're there, that, then who knows? And so the other part, too, is um, from as we're talking about the salary cap, the salary cap is going to start to take – uh, take hold of the Chiefs when they're paying. They've already signed Mahomes long term. It's going to be hard for them to keep that team together uh, for the next seven years. So 
that's another piece that, that really hasn't started to hit them yet because he'd been playing on his rookie contract. This was the first year of a new deal. It uh, doesn't have a huge cap hit this year, but that will change the dynamics of that team uh, moving forward. So that, you know, that's, that's the hope there. But look, the Bills are still going to be there. <laughs> yeah, that's mm-hmm. the Browns, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. went to the playoffs. Like, so we can spend all this time talking about the Chiefs and, and everything, but there's going to be other competitors too. So who you got, Chiefs or, Chiefs or Bucks? I mean, I have Chiefs. Um, this is no news for you. I, I've always – I thought they were the best team in the NFL starting the season, and now we're in February, and I still think they're the best team. Um, the Buccaneers, you know, what Brady's done there, and, you know, putting that offense together one year, uh, Bruce Arians, Ty Bowles. Ty Bowles will have a plan to try and stop Patrick Mahomes, uh, contain him, I should say. You don't stop him. And, yeah, I definitely feel – I think it's going to be a really good game. But Mahomes' mm-hmm. ability to make plays at any time I just gives them a huge advantage. You know when the Chiefs fall behind early, nobody's even concerned. I mean, they always know they can come back. It's not like you don't feel that way with Brady, but I just feel Mahomes at this stage of his career is the best player on the field. And, you know, you've got the best player, you know, on – and, you know, the team that is the best team on the same side. It's hard for me to go against the team that I feel is the best, and they have the best quarterback too. So I'd have to go with Kansas City. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, <laughs> you don't say I'm happy about that. It's hard to – don't say I'm happy about that. I'm not happy either way. You either watch Brady win another one or you watch this this dynasty in the making in Kansas City. So that I think it's true. kind of a lose-lose. That is um, true. Just have the Chiefs get their winning out of the system. You got to be done with it. Get content. Get complacent. That's that's the idea. That's what I want. That's what you got theory. to just relax next year. <laughs> Interesting theory. Maybe the hangover's next season, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Two right. year. Right. Gotta win two before the hangover really kicks in. So uh Cliff, thanks for filling in this week. As I said before, you guys can email us at the lounge at Ravens uh NFL.net. Still lots to discuss over the course of the offseason. Uh, We've got a guest in the works for next week. Uh, Thanks for filling in, Cliff, and we'll be back with you next week. 